Hey guys, you're listening to an incredible message from Pastor Brett called The Process Is Your Promise, right here on the Engage Network. You know, this is such a significant season for us as a church, but I, I don't want it to be lost on us that often what happens when we enter in significant seasons as a church, it means that we're also entering significant seasons as individuals. Because this is a community and this is a part, we're all a part of this family. And so when things shift, it's not that things shift for, for, for just the collective. Things begin to shift on all different kinds of levels. And so I, I feel like even as we're moving into this, this, this kind of new season and there's a bunch of unknowns and we're not exactly sure how, how everything's going to turn out, what we can do, we can be confident, we can be sure of this one thing, that all we need to do is follow Jesus. That was so terrible, by the way. We need to follow Jesus, and he's going to lead us, and he's going to guide us into all truth. So Psalm 37, we're just going to jump off so that we know exactly where we're coming from. Psalm 37, 23, 24, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Those they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Today, I just want to share five quick thoughts on the process that leads to your promise. The process that leads to your promise, because I think a lot of times we're so, uh, we're so distracted by the promise. And that promise looks different for each and every one of us. For some of us, it goes, you know what, I got a prophetic word 14 years ago, and I'm holding on to that thing that this is going to come into real life. And what you've done every day for the last 14 years is you've tried to make that thing materialize in your life because God said it, and I'm going to make it happen. Can I tell you, if God said it, you can't make it happen. Only he can make it happen. So you can control it, or you can manipulate it, or you can try and plan or strategize your way into a brighter future or a brighter day, but the honest truth is you can't make it happen even if you wanted to make it happen. That's why it's called a process that leads us to the promise. For some of us, it's a Bible verse. Like, God, we just we want to see this, and you're believing for a certain situation. Maybe you've got a recent diagnosis, and you're like, you know what? What am I going to do with this thing? What am I going to do? I need to be healed. And you're like, God, where are you right now? Can I tell you, healing is possible for you, no question. We believe in the power and the presence of Jesus. But while we're waiting... Why don't we subject ourselves to the process of God so that he can lead us, guide us, and prepare us for that next chapter so we don't have to obsess over the promise, but we can trust Jesus in the midst of the process. In the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our weakness, the Apostle Paul articulates this quite well, that there he is. His strength is found in the midst of our weakness. Oftentimes, we're afraid of being weak. We're afraid of not being able to do things, not being able to make things happen, not being able to be who we thought we were, you know, were called or created to be. But the truth is, there he is in the midst of our weakness. His strength is making us perfect day by day, moment after moment, time after time. So we have to understand that the process actually prepares us for the promise. The process prepares us for the promise. In North America, we spend a lot of time. These are all the things that God can do for me, right? And then we have a secondary list of these are all the things that I can do for God. God doesn't care what you can do for him. 
He's well aware of your abilities. He's well aware of your capabilities. But the plan was never for you to show off and do something for God. The plan was for you and him to do this life together, to walk one step at a time and to fulfill your potential and to fulfill your destiny. And it's, and it's, you know, it's honestly true that you could never live up to who God created you to be without Jesus himself. There's nobody who knows you better than Jesus. Than Jesus. You think you know yourself better than he knows you, but he knows you better than you know you because he handcrafted you. He knows what you're capable of. He knows what your gifts, your talents, and your abilities are. He also knows where your weaknesses are. He knows where your strengths are. And he understands that there is a process required to extract the gold from your life. So we run away from the process because we're trying to run towards the promise and we short-circuit what Jesus has intended for us. Because we're like, I have to get there right now. What if it's not your time? What if it's not your moment? What if you want it right now, but if you had it right now, it would crush you? What if the win was found in the waiting? Because in the midst of the waiting, your capacity and your ability to trust began to be expanded. but I want it right now. I get it. I am as impatient as they come. I get it. I got five steps out of Joshua chapter three through five. (laughs) That's right, three through five. We're gonna get through possibly two chapters of the book of Joshua. You're like, oh my God, I'm here all night. Well, thank goodness you have nothing else planned. You have nothing else planned. This is the process that will lead us to the promise as outlined as the Israelites were about to make their way into the promised land. Okay, are you with me? Three people, are you with me? Oh, thank God. I was going to have to go home and call the worship team back up. Here we go. First point, who's taking notes tonight, Sherry? Where's your notebook? Uh, We got Tyler taking notes. Get your phones out. Put this in your notes section. This is the process. I'm not joking. Get your phones out. Put this in the notes section of your phones because this is the process that prepares you for the promise and you're going to need this on your journey. Nicholas, I asked you to get your, thank you. I asked you to get your phone out and take this, put it in the notes section. The first point, if you're ready, say, I'm ready. ready. The first thought is ankles deep. (laughs) Yeah, ankles deep. In uh, Joshua chapter 3. The, the Israelites are about to move into the promised land, and the only way that they can move into the promised land is the same way that they entered the desert, which is by crossing the Jordan River. They had to cross the Jordan River because it was an entire new generation. The previous generation had passed away in the desert. They could not take the promised land. A brand new generation is about to step into the promised land. And they had heard the stories about when the Israelites had crossed over the Red Sea. And it was as if Jesus was saying, listen, if I could do it once, I can do it again. And he wanted a whole new generation to know of his power and his presence and his majesty. So the only way that they could cross into the promised land was the same way that they entered the desert. So in Joshua chapter 3, the Levites put the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Lord, on their shoulders. The Ark of the Covenant is where the Holy Spirit lived. And they started to walk. Earlier in the chapter, it says, when you see the Levites, who are the worshipers, And the priests, 
When you see the Levites moving, follow them because you have not yet come this way before and they will guide you into your promise. Follow the Spirit of God and he will lead you into the promise. It says this in Joshua 3.13, The priests will carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth. As soon as their feet touch the water, the flow of water will be cut off upstream and the river will stand up like a wall. And lo and behold, the banks were overflowing. So it's like, wait, are we going to have to wait a whole nother season to get into the promised land? No, when the time is now, when Jesus says the time is right now, you move whether the situation look, uh, looks good or not. Because the right time is the right time, but the wrong time is also the wrong time. When Jesus says it's time to move, you do not hesitate, even if the conditions aren't right. So the Bible says that the moment the priests stepped in and the water was to their ankles, so it didn't even start. They didn't walk into dry riverbed. They walked into the water. Sometimes you have to walk into the water before it parts. That was so good, you're just quietly nodding. Sometimes you got to take a step in. You're like, God, are you actually going to show up? He's like, I don't know. Watch me. Step in. <laughs> step in. It's like uh, we, were on, uh, we were on vacation in Kelowna, and the boys were, like, jumping in. And Everett's like, Dad, I'm going to jump in now. I'm like, great. <laughs> jump in. He's like, no, Dad, like, I'm about to jump in. <laughs> Tremendous, son. <laughs> Just jump in the water. He's like, no, Dad, seriously. I'm going to jump. I'm like, get in, get in the water. And sometimes we play this game with Jesus, chicken, you know. It's like, Jesus, I'm definitely going to take a step of faith today. And he's like, great, please take one. I've been calling you forward for some time now. <clears throat> he's like, no, 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 no. To, you don't, today is the day. He's like, great. I have all eternity, literally, please. Please take a step forward. But we wait for the most ideal situations before we take a step of faith. If you wait for the most ideal situation before you take a step of faith, it is no longer a step of faith. So when the time is now, when the Spirit of God is moving, you see the worshipers moving, you see the Israelites moving, you see the, the people start moving, you have to step into the water all the way up to your ankles, and it's going to get a little dicey, and it's probably going to be a little cold. But when we follow Jesus, one... He leads us on the step towards the process to our promise. So the first point today is you got to be ankles deep. you got to actually step into the water. Take the step of faith so that Jesus can actually begin to move in the situation. Did you know sometimes, <laughs> I shouldn't say sometimes, oftentimes we are the reason Jesus is not moving because he asks us to move, but we refuse to move. And then we ask him to move, and he's like, but I'm trying to move you. You're like, spirit, move. He's like, you move. <laughs> Second thing, we're just firing through. Build an altar. Build an altar. We, this, this language and, and this understanding uh, is often lost on us in, in New Testament, New Covenant applications because um, we don't build altars out of rocks anymore. We just don't, and it's, you know, it's pretty much idolatry. So we just don't, we don't go there. But this was a standard form of practice. And in fact, in this case, in Joshua chapter 4, it was real instruction from the Lord. He said, here's what I want you to do. When the water and the river bed is dry, I want you to go, one person from each tribe, and grab a rock from the middle of the river. 
and put it on the other side so that you will always remember each time you walk by this place what I did. That the, Usually you'd be drowning if you were getting those rocks, but you walked through when it was bone dry because what we are not good at is remembering the goodness of God. It says this, So the men did as Joshua had commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan River, one for each tribe. Just as the Lord had told Joshua, they carried them to the place where they camped for the night and constructed the memorial there. When God does something in our lives, when he does something miraculous, when there is a breakthrough moment, it is important for us to write down and to record these things so that we can use it later in the midst of a storm, in the midst of drama, in the midst of pain, in the midst of heartache. Instead of letting our emotions drive the show, we can let the goodness of God drive the show. Because we're like, God, you always forget about me. And he's like, Don't, they're having a good time over there. He's like, you always forget about me, God. And he's like, yeah, except for that time that I actually healed your broken ankle. Right, but except for that time, like, you always forget about me. And then he's like, oh, yeah, you remember that time when you didn't have any money for groceries and there was a knock at the door and all of a sudden somebody showed up and there was a box there? Yeah, no, I get that time too. See, it's how easily we forget in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a trouble, in the midst of pain. When we are brokenhearted, you're not thinking clearly. You're overcome. And so it's important for us to build a memorial, to build an altar to the goodness of God that we can remember along the journey all the good times in the process. Because it's a part of remembering those moments that lead us towards our promise. Because the good times, the bad times, all those difficult times, the times that God came through are a part of the process that leads us towards our promise. Because what it's doing is one step at a time, it's building our faith to trust in Jesus. One small step for Jesus' follower kind. One step at a time. We build an altar. So practically put it in, like I put everything in my phone. I put it in an app called Evernote. I hold on to it forever. Uh, it's like all categorized and tagged. And I can, I can put down things. When God speaks to me, I write them down. When miraculous moments happen, I write them down. And then guess what? Because yes, sometimes... <laughs> People like me also get discouraged. Not often, but every once in a while. You have to go back and say, you know what, God, if you did it once, you could do it again. You know, Pastor Seb actually sent me a whole string of messages from when we got this building. And you know what? It read a whole like, lot like the string of conversations when we had when we we're contemplating this next new season with West Edmonton Christian Assembly. It looked exactly the same. The questions were the same. The step of faith was the same. It was just a different season, a different level, a different way, a different place. Listen, when there's 45 people and you're trying to figure out how you're going to make rent here, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. But we had all the same questions. How is it going to work? There's the same level of uncertainty. And it was so amazing to go back and look and almost laugh. Because you're like, all right, guys, if only you knew where you were headed. We're trying to figure this thing out. It's like, listen, when we roll with Jesus, he's got you. When he opens up a door, it doesn't mean, but here's the thing. When you take a step of faith, it doesn't mean it's not going to hurt. Well, is that the Bible? Sure it is. It's the process. It's the, it's the necessary steps required to move to the next season, to the next chapter. Sometimes you got to stretch. Stretches doesn't always feel good. All right. Who's ready for the next one? 
We're powering through. Here we go. Number three, write this down. The legend grows. The legend grows. Joshua chapter 5, verse 1. When all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings who lived along the Mediterranean coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan River so the people of Israel could cross, they lost heart and were paralyzed with fear because of them. They lost heart and were paralyzed with fear. When everybody else in the promised land heard what had happened and how the Israelites had rolled in. They were in shock, in awe, in wonder, and they were terrified at the power of God. They were paralyzed with fear and they lost heart because their original plan was to conquer the Israelites. As soon as they came in, you stave off any people that are coming into your land. They, they realized in that moment they, they were already a defeated people. Uh, we can, we can cross-reference this with a little, you know, Isaiah 54, verse 17, uh, going New King Jimmy version. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue which rises against you in judgment you, sh uh, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. Now, I want us to point out and to be aware of the first part of Isaiah 54, verse 17, where it says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I just want to highlight that it also says a weapon shall be formed against you. Oftentimes we're like, all right, we got this, and it's going to be simple, and it's going to be easy. It's like, no, 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 no. A part of no weapon formed against you shall prosper means that a weapon shall be formed against you, meaning if somebody's got a gun, they might be pointing it at you. It just means they're not going to kill you with that bullet. They might even shoot you. They just won't succeed in killing you. That's what that actually means. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You're like, I thought there was no pain in the process. No, no. God's saying that you cannot stop the will, the plan, the purposes that he has. Nothing will come in your way. You don't have to be worried. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be some, some pain in the process. It just means he's got you. He's going to lead you forward. The legend continues. As you take a step of faith, word begins to spread. This, is, this, is, this happened uh, with the woman with the issue of blood. Okay, so the woman with the issue of blood, uh, Jesus is walking through a crowd actually on his way to heal somebody else. He's on his way to uh, heal Jairus' daughter. And the crowd was just crushing, and they're all around, kind of like this here tonight, if we were trying to walk through the middle of the room. And everyone's pushing in, and this woman, she'd been bleeding for 12 years, we'll get into it another day, reached out and grabs onto Jesus' like, the hem of his garment, it says. So it was like flag football when you're trying to just reach the flag and you just miss it and your fingertips just hit the hem and that moment Jesus stopped and he says whoa some healing just went out for me and that woman was healed in that moment incredible story right there of Jesus's power not even being aware of how powerful he is when somebody just had to reach out and touch his clothes but what you'll actually find and if you start reading through the book of Mark you'll actually find that it says there's other instances now where everywhere Jesus went people were reaching out and just trying to reach out and touch the hem of his garment he would be walking other places and people would just start swiping that one woman's act of faith changed the way that people perceived Jesus changed the way that they perceived his power and changed the way that they that they behaved so that when he was walking by and if they were in need of his healing touch, they would just reach out and grab it. 
It changed everything. Did you know that the process that you are in right now, the way that you're handling yourself, the way that you have faith, the way that you're, you're looking at this challenge, the way that you're even dealing with or processing through your pain is actually allowing the legend of the power of Jesus to grow because people look at you and they go, you know what? If she can handle it that way, I can handle it that way. And if God is good to them, God can be good for me. And if God can heal that person, then he can heal me. The situation that you're in is actually bringing faith to those who are around you as you trust and you hold on to Jesus you think you thought it was all about you what if a part of the process was intended for people around you you thought God why are you delaying me from the promise he says because part of your process leads somebody else to their promise the legend continues to grow number four and we're powering through. So good. Congratulations. Number four. This is exciting. Making the cut. My dad's going to hate this so much. Joshua chapter 5. He doesn't like when we, I talk like this. Joshua chapter 5, verse 2. At, the, at, the ta- at that time, the Lord told Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise this second generation of Israelites. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the entire population of Israel at Gibeath (laughs) Haralalath, which is proper Hebrew. (laughs) We'll keep going. Verse 4, so Joshua had to circumcise them because all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died in the wilderness. Those who left Egypt had all been circumcised, but none of those born after the exodus during the years in the wilderness had been circumcised for obvious reasons. The Israelites had traveled in the wilderness for 40 years until all the men who were old enough to fight in battle when they left Egypt had died, for they had disobeyed the Lord, and the Lord vowed that he would not let them enter the land he has sworn to give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. So Joshua circumcised their sons, those who had grown up, to take their father's places, for they had not been circumcised on the way to the promised land. After all, I said circumcised a lot. After all the men had been circumcised, they rested in the camp until they were healed. Verse 9, I don't know if you have verse 9, Keith, but I'll just keep rolling to verse 9. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the shame of your slavery in Egypt, so that place has been called Gilgal to this day. Here's the thing. There are things that were okay during the journey, but now you're turning the page and you're moving into a new chapter and you're moving into the promise of God for your life. And the things that might have been acceptable at one season of your life are no longer acceptable in the next season of your life. And you're like, no, God, no, I should be able to do whatever. You can do whatever you want. Sure. I'm just saying that when you, when you move into another season, God sometimes calls you to another level where he needs you to set yourself apart to prepare yourself for the next season that you're about to go into. There was a, there was a vow that these guys had to take. And the only way they could enter the promised land was if They made the cut. And in all seriousness, I'm wondering what it is in our lives tonight that Jesus wants to cut away from our hearts. 
Because it's, you cannot carry it with you into the next season. You cannot carry it into the promise. You cannot take it with you. For some of us, it's, it might be a set of attitudes. You can't take that with you into the next season. It was okay for you to be defined by your complaints and your jokes for a long time, but you're moving to a season of faith, and the goodness of God is so overwhelming that it won't tolerate that kind of attitude in the next season. It might be a set of behaviors. You pick whatever they are. It could be something in your heart that you could, that you could do, and, and it wasn't, I'm not even talking about a sin issue where it's just like a thing that you were okay with in one season, and God just starts speaking to you about it in the next season. He says, you know what, why don't you hold off on, on watching that or drinking that or doing that or, or going to that place? Why don't you just stop doing that because I've got so much more for you, and that stuff gets in your head, and it gets in your heart and begins to cloud your vision. Sometimes you got to cut some stuff away. And then there are actually sin things. You're like, whoa, sin in church. I know, amazing. (laughs) There are actually things that you are doing that the Lord has tolerated for so long, but have become your ceiling and your lid. Because you have preferred those things over the things of God. And I'm not talking about like things where you're like, oh man, I, I screwed up. And you know, it's like, it's an intentional repetitive behavior that you know is wrong within your heart that God is just speaking to you today and he's speaking it to you through me which is totally fun for me always just saying listen there's some sin stuff that's stopping you from moving into the next season of your life and until you address it you will be stuck in this portion of the process because this process is refining you and until it gets ground away you cannot take the next step forward I'm just being really, really honest about God's purpose and plan for your life. He has more than you could have ever asked, hoped, and imagined a dream for you. But he asks something of you. You're like, I thought salvation was free. Salvation is free, 100%. He also just asked that if you're going to follow him one step at a time, that you would give him everything else. That you would give your whole heart. And to be honest, whether you like it or not, I feel like that's how most of us are feeling right now. (laughs) I don't want to stop it. Until you make the cut, you cannot make the next step forward in your journey. Okay? Number five. The provision comes until... The promise. The provision comes until the promise. Joshua chapter 5, I think it's at verse 10. Keith, you got me because I lost my page here as I was getting excited talking about sin. Keith's got me. While the Israelites were camped out at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they celebrated Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the first month. The very next day they began to eat unleavened bread and roasted grain harvested from the land, and no manna appeared on the day they first ate from the crops of the land, and it was never seen again. So from that time on, the Israelites ate from the crops of Canaan. So what had happened was while they were in the desert season, in the process season, God had given them some provisions. He had given them manna from heaven, this this flat bread that they ate every day that they would collect every morning. He gave them this, this bread 
and they kind of complained about it after a while because, I mean, 40 years of the same meal, supernatural or not, I guess we're human, so we're going to complain about something. So he sends them some quail, some protein, some meat, incredible miraculous provisions that were only required for a season. The moment they started eating of the, from the fruit of the promised land, so when they started to harvest the crops of the new land and the territory, the manna stopped. The supernatural provision stopped. Can I tell you, some of us are living in, on the edge of a promise, but we keep trying to feed ourselves out of the provision from the process. So you're like, I just want the supernatural man. And God says, no, I've now given you the ability to create in this next season. I've given you this ability to feed yourself in this next season. This might even be a leveling up in your faith. You say, I've been, a, I've been in the new believer category for a while. But friends, if you've been coming to church for like six months or eight months or a year, you're not a new believer anymore. You're just a believer of Jesus. And he's given you some supernatural provision where he just keeps feeding you. But now you've got to feed yourself. For some of, the, for some of us, that actually means we just got to read this thing. You're like, what? For reals? Yeah, there's a whole app called the YouVersion Bible app. You just pick a Bible plan that looks good. I just go by the graphics on the front. It's all the Bible. I might as well just read it. And I just read it every day. The, the great thing is, like, I'm on, I'm on my hot streak right now. Slovenia really messed that up because while I was in transit, I, I was, that's Brendan. I was so mad because I was on, like, a serious hot streak of, like, a lot of weeks. And it was all busted because it jumped into the next day. And it says I didn't read that day, but I totally read that day. I was rattled. In, the, in Istanbul Airport, I'm rattled about my version Bible app hot streak. Sometimes you got to read the Bible because God wants to speak to you. And you're like, I just want to, I want a word from heaven. I want to speak through the preacher. I want him to speak through someone in an altar call. I just want God to speak to me. He's like, I'm going to speak to you every day if you would let me. But we're like, oh, it's so boring. <laughs> Not when I do it. Because the word of God is alive, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword and begins to separate my soul and my spirit. It's uncomfortable to read the Bible. See, the reason you actually don't like to read the Bible, you don't actually know this yet, but you will now. The reason it's uncomfortable is not because it's boring. It's because it's creating some space within you and it's beginning to create this gap where you understand the part of you that is spirit and the part of you that is soul. And it's uncomfortable when Jesus starts showing up and calling us out on things because now we know what we know before. We didn't know what we don't know. But now we are fully aware and God's creating some space. He's saying, oh, hey, yeah, this is a part of my promise. I'm going to start cutting away things in your life. You're like, that's not comfortable. He's like, I know, but it's necessary. Necessary. It's a part of the promise. It's the way you're going to make it through. It's how you're going to handle the next season if you let me come in and start doing some heart surgery. But we're like, no, no, no. Let, can, can I put off the procedure? Sure, stay out of the Word of God. But I'll, ask, I'll also ask you this. Could you stop asking me to teach you how to hear the voice of God? Because I have so many people come to me and say, how do I hear the voice of God? I'm like, do you read your Bible? Uh, at church. Not the correct answer. None of the above. Do you pray? Uh, when I need to. 
Listen, if I talked to my wife only when I needed to, I would not be married today. Though some days I think she wouldn't mind. Me not talking, me not talking. Right? Like this is a relation, like this is a one-on-one personal relationship with Jesus. We're like, how do I get to the promise? Stop obsessing on the promise and start embracing the process. The one step at a time. Get in the game every day. Take one step, move forward. Take one step, move forward. Let your faith be built. Let your soul be strengthened. Have an actual relationship with Jesus. Understand the word that he already gave us. And here's the incredible miracle that happens. As you begin to soak this in, he begins to take from that reservoir and speak to you in a whole new way. There's layers on layers on layers on layers in this. You know, last week at our announcement Sunday, if you weren't there, you should probably listen to that. There's some news. Um, But in Isaiah 54, I I, I spoke this two years ago at our Vision Sunday, and it's the same portion of Scripture that every pastor preaches when they're about to expand something. Uh, So just, I'll do it again. Uh, Isaiah 54, it says, enlarge your territory, expand your tent pegs, strengthen your pegs, all those things. But I didn't realize it two years ago until I was standing in my kitchen on Saturday night before last Sunday. And God says, you will expand to the right, and then to the left. And as I was standing in my kitchen, I don't cry often, so I didn't cry, but I thought about it. I'm like, if, if I was a crier, I'd be crying right now. Because as I stood in my kitchen, two years prior when we were about to launch Stony Plain, I guess, yeah, two years, that was a vision Sunday. We didn't even know what all of that was on the horizon. God expanded us to the right, to Stony Plain. And now there's an opportunity to possibly expand to the left, into Edmonton in that order, from the right to the left. We didn't see it. I didn't see it. I preached it. I didn't get it. All of a sudden, the circumstances change, and God's like, I'm just dropping a little hint in here for the next season. So when I go back and I look at my memorial, because I pulled up my notes from two years ago, two Vision Sundays ago. I guess it was one year ago because we had one Vision Sunday. Anyways, when I pulled up those notes, I saw that piece of scripture and he spoke to me in a new way, the new level, the new chapter, in a new way that I could understand to prepare us for the, pro- for the promise. Stop trying to live off of old supply and press in to receive what Jesus has for you today. Human nature says, it works for me once. I went to youth camp and I sang the stand, which, truth, (laughs) changed lives, still does. And so the only time that I encountered the Holy Spirit, the power of Jesus, was when I sing the stand in the key of A and the bass drops in. Then I know I've hit a glory realm. Because our hearts, our human nature takes us back to nostalgia. When was the last time that it happened? And I want to recreate that moment over and over and over again. But God says you can't put new wine into an old wineskin. So he wants to do something different. And listen, if he did it once, he can do it again. He just didn't do it in the same body of water. (laughs) 
he can still part the sea. He's still going to do the same thing that radically transformed you when you were 14 years old in that camp meeting and you never thought it could happen again. He can do it again. He wants to meet you exactly where you are. He wants to change your situation. He wants to heal you. He wants to put your marriage back together. He wants to put the broken pieces of your emotional uh, capacity back together. He wants to increase you in a whole number of ways. But don't go back to where you were. Look forward to what lies ahead. Embrace the process. And let Jesus worry about the promise.